0: Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast.
1: Hi everybody, welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. My name's Matt Walsh, I'm joined by Jared Barker and AFL Draft expert Chris Dory. Uh, we're going to be bringing you uh, all the things that you need to know ahead of this year's National Draft, kicking off next Monday and followed on by next Tuesday and then some other little ancillary things uh, beyond that in the week. But uh, Jared, good to be back in the studio talking footy again.
0: Yeah, it is good to be back. Can I just say quickly, I know I'm filling in for Jake today and I filled in for you a couple of times in the host chair uh, during the season. That's a lot of holidays you guys take. It's a lot of holidays. I needed to just put that out there. <laughs> I'd like to point uh, out you, you'd November. almost think that you guys actually work hard. But, uh...
1: It is November. I think that is technically, you know, part of the off season that we can take a bit of time off, can't we?
0: Oh, uh, what is an off season? I mean, the the world of sport never sleeps. We got the uh... not
1: that I not that I need to explain myself to you, all the <laughs> listeners. But I did have two weddings that I had to attend throughout the year that were both not in the country. Hope they went well. Hope you enjoyed they did. it. Yep. But my, my many point. salutations to the the brides and grooms in those weddings. But uh, that's fine. Sometimes you caught between a rock and a hard place. That's fine. And it was. So hard to leave the podcast, hard to leave you guys behind. Uh, but here I am, uh, draft day.
0: Yeah, no, it is good to be back, and uh, exciting times with the draft uh, ahead, which we're going to talk about with Dory. Well, Chris, mm. I was going to
1: say, uh, last time we had you in here, we had a bit of a chat about what happened in the trade and the um, free agency period, a little bit of a, a nod towards the draft and what was going to be happening uh, in the in the coming months. But that was about, I think it was about five or six weeks ago. So. What we're going to go through today is, again, kind of what you were, you've you been doing on the site for us, uh, espn.com.au forward slash AFL. Uh, most recently, your draft power rankings for the month of November are out. Now, November is the last month that we do that. But you've got something coming on Friday as well, or Thursday even, maybe. Keep your eyes peeled. Uh, and that's your full, um, your full, what's it called?
2: Phantom draft. Phantom so, draft. Yep, every pick. Every bit. Every
1: pick, every bit. My goodness, there's just been so much content. (laughs) It's just been... Did I not just say sport never sleeps, Sport never sleeps. That's it. Uh, So there's a heap heap of stuff coming. Um, So we thought we'd preview that sort of stuff with you. We thought we'd get you in, talk about what's changed since we last spoke with you, because um, obviously these sort of things are fluid. Clubs make choices. You know, Players develop. They might grow another few centimetres and all that sort of stuff. Um, So we'll kind of go through that, and we'll go through club by club to sort of see what... Or where we're at at this stage of uh, of everything. So, uh, how, how you been? Firstly, because it's a busy time for you.
2: Yeah, and I just got um run down with COVID over the last week. So first timer. So um that's been quite frustrating. Um, no sexy the voice folks, though. You, you seem so. to be
1: quite up and about.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to get back to my normal self, and yeah I've got a big week ahead. Obviously, as to yeah. all the clubs and draft prospects.
0: I look forward. Did to it derail the your your studying? Say that again. The COVID did it derail your studying in any way? Um. Still able to. Yeah, I'm still able to get done what I
2: sort of needed. You to, can watch but, Vision yeah. in bed, can't you? On the yeah. laptop these days. True. Yeah, pretty much. True. Yeah, it was just yeah, working from bed and yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, good <laughs> Bit stuff. Sad and sorry week.
1: Uh, let's get cracking because. What we're going to do today, we're going to do a sort of club by club sort of thing. Look at what each club kind of needs to address in terms of what their their list need is. Uh, And maybe we'll throw it to you and sort of say, yeah, I I agree. This is what this club needs and this is the player to do it. You might sort of say, well, actually, there's a player who might be local, you know, if it's a South Australian club, for instance, uh, that might be a better pick. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through each club. We're going to throw some bits and pieces at you and, uh, and get your opinions on what's coming up in this year's draft. Broadly, though, what can we expect to see? Because I know that there's a father-son that's going to be picked number one. Well, mm-hmm. picked number one. One or two.
2: One or two, seven.
0: So. Two. Um, can I just say, it better be number one. You think there should it, it be a It better, better be one. number one. You don't, yeah. you don't like it when well, clubs... I, I hope GWS make, make Brisbane pay the maximum points that they can. He's yeah. worth it. I'm, well, he is, but it's more the point that, like, often we see clubs trying to upkeep that sort of healthy relationship mm-hmm. with other clubs. mm that's Rose, true. I'd much prefer it, just because down the track, you'd never know when you might need a favour from them in yeah. 12 months' time. No, you're competitors. <laughs> There's only one team that can actually win the flag. Make them pay the maximum amount. If GWS don't bid on Will Ashcroft, I'll be a very mad man.
1: Look at this. And Sports I could also sleep. add as well, I'm you had Mick
2: Dacos last year, and it was a pretty clear he was either the number one or number two quality pick, but of course, he slid to number four. And... So.
1: Uh, well, we we find that this is happening a, a little bit because obviously the Dogs also had Jamar Hugo Hagan, who is a, an academy prospect. So there's been a few years where we haven't been able to sort of see the best player potentially in the draft go to the club that arguably needs them the most. Mm. Um, so beyond the kind of the, the headlines that we see at the top of this year's draft profile, what can we expect to see? How deep is this draft? Where does the kind of talent... How how deep is the talent pool before things start to drop off and and we can sort of see clubs maybe sort of throwing a dartboard at the at uh, the, uh,
2: the wall? Sure. So I'd say there's a pretty strong top ten to thirteen roughly overall. Um, then you've got a bit of a speculative territory through the next say ten or so picks, and probably we'll see around you're fifty five to sixty roughly picked on draft day. So the deeper you get, obviously the more speculative. And obviously
1: clubs are able to trade picks as well at this point so we could see some more action happening. Um, do you, the, Now that clubs have kind of worked out what they can do on draft night, do you suspect that you might see more of this kind of on, on the draft night trading for for little bits and pieces to slide up and slide down?
2: Yeah, look, it was a very busy trade period, so I don't think there'll be too much happening. But with that said, though, there'll be some clubs that will be weary of bids coming for some of their talents. So you've got Alwyn Davey Jr., who Essendon might be a bit concerned about, pick 22. A bid might come before then. Mm. So I think they'll be quite actively either looking to move up or maybe move back or move into next year's draft remind us of the rules about that again because it has changed in
1: recent years about where academy products can be protected until
2: yeah sure so um if it's next generation academy a bid has to be um after pick 40 it can be matched so from pick 41 onwards you can be matched so for an example you could have someone like an isaac keeler who adelaide actually chose not to nominate but to to use him as an example um if a bid came on say pick 41 then they would have that ability
0: to match if they had they nominated. So him. that means back in Jamara Yugo Hagen's uh draft class if that same rule applied then was that 2020 I believe it was. Mm, yeah. That would mean the Bulldogs wouldn't have had the chance to match the bid for Jamara at pick 1 because it was the inside the top 40, is that right? Yep, that's correct. Yep. A- and um
2: Cam McKenzie who St Kilda have would have access to. He's one who probably goes around that 10 mark. So if St Kilda want him, they'll have to pick him. They mm. won't have that chance to match.
1: Uh, we've been looking at your power rankings, as I said, uh, most recent ones uh, published on the weekend, and you can check that out on the website. We talked about what might have changed in the last sort of five or six weeks since we last spoke with you.
2: Has anything really changed at all? Yeah, look, there are a few players where it's not so much necessarily changed, but I guess we're more aware of, I guess, some of the players clubs might be into. Yeah. Um, and one player um, that will be going higher than initially anticipated is Edward Allen. So he's one where over the last couple of years he's grown twenty centimeters, gained twenty kilos. So is that sort of tall utility around a one ninety five? But he's been playing through the midfield this year. So um, it's possible we might even see him feature as high as the top ten. And where would he
1: have been in your power rankings, sort of in the in the previous
2: months? And where's he come from? Yeah, look. Um, in hearing the reports, I was strongly considering him for my top 20 this month. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would still place him probably... I've got a clear top 22, so he would be within that range. But,
0: um, yeah, certainly he's one where had I not known about all the growth, I would have had him quite a lot later. Does that so. align with teams trying to move up the order as well? When you notice a late bolter and you might see, you know, he fits a certain club's needs. Um, for example, do you notice that you're seeing this player... Oh, Hang on a second. He might actually be a first-round pick. Do you see clubs then trying to move up the order? Can you sort of correlate the two together? Look, there's a lot of clubs that would like to move up, but it's more so that players tend to, if anything, slip back. So
2: maybe it means that maybe a Jai Clark maybe gets through to a Geelong. So... That's yeah, yeah, one boy. example mm-hmm. Yeah, so they'd like the local talent potentially But maybe a Hawthorne at pick six Maybe they go against the script Why would the cats example. do
1: that When they can just get them for, you know Peanuts three years later Yeah, exactly <laughs> the, yeah.
2: the old guy And look, They're actually one of the clubs That are looking at Edward Allen So pick seven, Geelong are. So that might be something to look out for on draft night, keep your eyes out. Mm. Uh, let's start with the Crows, though, because
1: they are in a building phase of their development. Uh, we know that they need uh, an, they need more midfield help. Really, they also need some maybe some dashing defence help because uh, we've seen some players along that line who have moved into the midfield kind of out of necessity, really. Where do you see the Crows looking uh, for their first pick?
2: Sure. So um, Max Michelaney, so he's eligible as a father-son, his father having played 200-plus games for Norwood. Um, So he's a sort of tall defender, more of a lockdown style, but he can generate some runs. So Adelaide's priority will be certainly matching him.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, The Lions... (laughs) <laughs> they're, pretty, yep, so they're pretty well stacked, though. I mean, you look at the off-season that they've managed to have. Um, add Connor McKenna into the mix, who's a, who's a really good pickup, and if he can recapture some of the form that he showed at Essendon, uh, there could be some pieces there that, that are, are really vital in this off-season. Where can you see them
2: looking for their for their first pick? Yeah, by the way, I love the McKenna pickup. Just the drive he can generate off half-backs, phenomenal. But um, they've got two father-sons, so of course you've got Will Ashcroft and then you've got Jasper Fletcher. So their first two picks will be really prioritising that, and then they'll really be looking actively on draft day to find the points to get both.
0: Which complements already bringing in Josh Dunkley and Will Ashcroft, as you said. But in terms of that that drive and carry off, off halfback, do they not already have an influx of those players already with Daniel Rich and yeah look they do have Coleman. a fair
2: bit of that and through the draft they'll be getting midfielders so Ashcroft yeah. is a powerful ball winning mid but has the burst of speed you've got Fletcher who can go on the outside and generate some drive out there so it's sort of bringing in a variety of types ultimately
1: will they have enough points for all these players that they, they do want to pick up because 34, 35, 36, 38, uh, and then you sort of have to slide down to sort of 55 to see their next pick. Is this going to be enough for all the pieces that they could potentially be bringing in through points?
2: Yeah, so regardless of whether a bid comes at one or two for Ashcroft, they won't have the points for both. If the so, Giants
0: listen to this podcast, they know they absolutely <laughs> will make a bid of Yeah, that.
2: so look, they can go into a points deficit next year. That's certainly a possibility, but it's looking likely that Brisbane will try and find a way to um, bring in more picks to um, get more points. There to at least minimise the deficit if they indeed do go into one.
1: Uh, the Blues, close to finals
2: last year. What's a piece that they can add that may be able to have round one impact? Um, look, I'd like to see their front half improve. You've obviously got Kernel and McKay, who are both incredible, but maybe someone like a Jaden Magor as a small forward who can really hit the scoreboard. Last couple of um, Sandful Under-18 games, he got five and six goals, so 11 goals in two games, and he can also push through the midfield as well, so... He'd be one where maybe around Carlton's second pick, maybe that twenty nine mark, he could potentially offer some value. As a
0: as a team who's in the finals contention and potentially you know wanting to push the top four next season as well, the Blues could they look for a more mature age player to fill in that position? I know Adelaide got rid of or delisted Jimmy Rowe in the off season. Could Carlton potentially look at a player like that to fill that small pressure need?
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, there are those mature ages that are always available. And you find in the state leagues, there's often a lot of role players around who do have the AFL capabilities. You're pretty hot
1: on some of those mature age recruits as well. I know that yeah. you're one of Casey Voss's biggest advocates. Mm. Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, yeah. Well, the Blues, yeah, like you said, probably some forward half help would be good. Ranked 14th for forward half intercepts, 12th for forward half pressure applied. So clearly there is a deficit in that. Well, obviously not in the key position stocks, but elsewhere on the
2: ground. Um, the Pies, tall
1: Ruffman would be helpful.
2: Yeah, I've got Ruck down for one of their list needs as well. So you've got Harry Barnett, who, for me, is the best Ruckman in the draft. If he makes it to the 20s, the Pies will be stoked. Um, otherwise, Isaac Keeler, who Adelaide Next Gen Academy, um, he's one where, look, as a key forward slash Ruck, he can do a bit of both. He'd be another in that sort of 20s range. And I that's about consider. in their sweet
1: spot because they have the 16th pick right now, but you suspect that with obviously bids and stuff that that might slide a couple of spots as well.
2: Yeah, so look, with their there's sort of no need to match bids for Adelaide in this case, but he's really a free-for-all. So um, he's available
0: to all how clubs, many, and Collingwood might consider him. How many or tall players are you expecting to actually go really early in the draft? And would that mean if Collingwood is trying to really feel that need of a tall forward or, or a Ruckman? Um, Are they a club that you can see trying to package together some picks to move up the order to get the best tall player in the draft?
2: Look, I think there's a lot of teams in the teens that would like to move up. Um, You've got Sydney and GWS as well that would very aggressively like to move up. Mm. Um, So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um,
1: Interesting. Uh, The Bombers, they've got a a pretty decent pick this year, and they've got some needs as well. Um, According to Champion Data, they were 15th, rated in, in 15th ranked team for, for wing output and 16th for general forward output. Uh, of course, Anthony McDonald's and Woody returning probably helps that general forward output a little bit. Um, but they also need a bit of speed as well. And, and you mentioned Alan Davy Jr. off the top. Is he someone that they could look with if that early or is, that, is he someone that, that maybe you take a bit later?
2: Yeah, look, um, the risk is that a bid will come before their pick 22. Um, and that also like Anthony Mankara as well. So there you've got two forwards with a Davy. look. He can push through the midfield as well. Um, But at four, if they want speed, well, Elijah Sardis is one who they've been um, certainly looking at and considering with that pick for that speed, but also big-time accumulator as well. So he could be a genuine wing for Essendon if they go that route.
1: The Dockers, uh, JB, we lamented a few times throughout the Mm. year the Dockers' struggles, and what they really need is sort of mature key position, or key forwards, really. Uh, we, We like a lot of what we see throughout the midfield. Their first pick's at 30 Um, What do we see the Dockers doing with a pick like that?
2: Yeah, look, they'd love someone like maybe an Isaac Keeler to make it through to that sort of pick. Um, But look, when you get to that range, it's hard to get really good key position players. Often the best ones, particularly the forwards, go early. So they could look at someone like maybe a Darcy Jones for some outside speed. They've lost a bit on the wing with um, Blake Akers leaving. So they're a few of the things they'll be considering, both the tools and also the outside. See someone who can impact
1: the scoreboard because they... Do need a little bit more impact from their from their small players. Yeah, and well.
2: they could also do with a boost up forward as well. So there'll be a few needs that they'll be looking to address. So an we'll actual fit, Nathan Fife might actually
0: help that a little bit as well. And if Tabanar can actually get on the field too, but yeah, certainly an area they need to need to address.
1: Uh, Geelong, you mentioned those uh, that team and the fact that they will have interests higher up the draft board than where they currently are. So you see them doing a couple of uh, little sneaky draft night moves to to kind of try and kind of sneak up the board.
2: Yeah, look, with Geelong, um, I think they'll probably be pretty comfortable with their position. They'll be hoping Jai Clark makes it to their pick, but the risk is Hawthorne the pick before them. So, um, yeah, look, if that doesn't happen, maybe they'll look at maybe an Ed Allen for maybe a bit of a Do so you volta. think he could go as high as seven? He could go as high as seven that's about as high as I could see him there's been links to West Coast there's been links to Melbourne so there's a few teams sort of in those following picks So What
1: sort of player did you say he was
2: again? Um, so it's about a 195 tall utility he's been playing through the midfield he can go on a wing he could play a flank could be a key position player in the future so he's a bit of a wild card where
0: you could really use him anyway.
1: The kind of player that if you've just won the Premiership, you could take a bit of a punt on and see where he can develop best.
0: 100% you can. Just on Jai Clark, is that purely he's a homegrown Geelong Falcons product or do you think Geelong are addressing a need there and they need more midfielders? I know Salwood's just retired, Um, but is that a homegrown pick or is that a we need a midfielder pick.
2: Look, he's very well-performed. So he was the Vic Country MVP during the Under-18 Champs, so he's well-performed. But look, Geelong do need those midfielders as well, particularly the young ones, where if you look at the age demographics, they're all those sort of around 30s. So they do need a few good young ones coming through. They lost Cooper Stevens as well. Can I
0: just ask a question? Sorry to take a little detour here. What is your thoughts on um, draftees actually after two years? I think the initial contract, the minimum years is uh two the requirement do you see that there is a need to change that at all would an interstate club be better protected by a minimum of three years required from a draftee to uh, you know alleviate the the fears of a player um going home after two years yes yeah, certainly and look some players don't
2: develop early so i think that discussion will be had more in the future where look we might actually see those that are picked in the national draft Actually, on three-year contracts first yeah. too. So but I think that's just interesting. For wants to get home,
1: they're going to yeah. get home. I mean, Isaac Rankin—that's oh, yeah. this what fourth year? Mm. Um, so you know, he yeah. saw out his initial contract, mm. had a couple more years, still requested a trade back to the Crows. Yeah, um, and as
2: well as that as well, you had Horn Francis, of course, who one year in, well, yeah. he's still sort of asked to go and was able to go. So it's really mm. tricky with, I guess, um, the trade period and how easy it is for players now to really request trades, and clubs are pretty willing yeah. to um, grant
0: players. I just find it did. interesting. Uh, Um, with the dry Clark scenario as well given Geelong's probably a team that doesn't need to worry about any players going home they're the one that retrieve them all from other clubs Um, but no just just thought I'd ask yeah and I think it would
2: just be a best available selection where they just genuinely see the value in that case but they do have quite a history of taking Geelong Falcons and also even some Geelong VFL players for that matter Um, with a Tom Stewart for
0: example will we see that from interstate clubs as well like West Coast, Fremantle take Perth product as opposed to risking it with a Victorian kid?
2: You certainly do see a higher proportion with clubs. So your Western Australian clubs, they'll certainly have more of a tendency to take those Western Australian talents versus, say, a Victorian club, on average at least. But they're not always going to take the local talents. They will at times see greater value in players from other states. So, uh, One club we just
1: sort of mentioned them, they too struggle to get local talent through the door, uh, is the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, of The notes I've got here from Christian, from Champion Data, who, by the way... Uh, currently in Philadelphia. Would you really? We yeah. asked him to come in. He said, well, "I've got a prior engagement." He's in Philadelphia because not on a holiday like you.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, wow. Uh, Need him to bring no. Wow. No, not cheesesteaks. <laughs> he will be having uh, Pats and Geno's the cheesesteaks, I'm sure. Uh, no, he's over there, and he mentioned this I think in the last pod um, that Champion Data have started doing lacrosse coverage. So he's over there training a few people. He sends his regards. Uh, The notes that he sent through about the Gold Coast Suns, 16th in key forward sort of output. We know that Ben King's gonna be coming back, uh, but the Suns are in a good position with a strong draft hand. Where do you see them looking?
2: Yeah, look, I think with King coming back, they'll be okay for key forwards because they did have Chol coming through. Lukosius will have to see if he stays forward and then you've got Casbold as well. So look, their key forward numbers are fairly okay for the moment. And look, there isn't a standout key forward at five, so I'd say probably it's a need to address another year. But I'd look at a Bailey Humphrey as maybe an Isaac Rankin um, replacement. Very different style, very strongly built, um, very strong forward, but can push through the midfield as well. So gives the Suns a bit of a different look.
1: Uh, we talked about GWS, JB, and you'll be disappointed if they don't try and uh, match a bid on Will, or, or place a bid on Will Ashcroft. But the likelihood is the 99.99% uh, thing that's going to happen is that Aaron Cadman will be going to the Giants, addresses a need as a key forward. Nothing's nothing's going to surprise us on draft night, is there?
2: Yeah, look, he should be joining GWS. That's just the question at number one is, will they make a bid on Ashcroft, which is yet to
0: be publicly. they better be on Ashcroft. I'm not joking. <laughs> they better be on Ashcroft. Uh,
1: outside of that, though, the next pick's still within the first round. Um, maybe some general defence, general forwards looking... I mean, the midfield's obviously still quite solid... The key position pieces are okay for now. You know, look at someone like Sam Taylor in the back line will command that position for a long time. Where could they go with their second pick at uh, 15?
2: Yeah, look, they have a variety of needs, and you can look for forwards, you can look at defenders. I think there'll be quite a bit of value. But to give you a name, someone like a Jacob Constanti could come in. And look, he's a bit of a Jamie Elliott style, where he's that sub-180, but strong mark, at a ground level, provides pressure and can hit the scoreboard as well.
0: Is Cadman genuinely the best player of the draft outside of Ashcroft?
2: Um, For me, it's actually Mateus Filippo and he's one who's divided opinions quite substantially where there's a lot of really good analysts who have said that he's not worth a top 10 pick and we might not see him feature inside the top 10. Um, But for me, after that, I'd probably say Cadman's that next player up. So he's a strong choice there and certainly fills the need for the Giants.
1: Uh, the Hawks also another side building probably need to see a bit more midfield depth uh, running through that that center line before we see some uh, consistent results from that club. Is that where you see them looking for their first pick? I think around twenty four. Ah, uh, so they've
2: got pick six, they so pick they might six. look at someone like a Jay You're Clark. Right. But to give yes. you a name through the midfield that they could look at deeper in, um, maybe someone like an Adam D Lawyer.
0: Yes. So he
2: was the um South Australian MVP during the Under eighteen champs. And very much one of those physically advanced, strong contested ball winners. So he's one where, I think, look, because he doesn't have the other tricks, he might drop a little bit in the order. So maybe around one of their picks in the 40s, I think, if he's there, would be a really good choice for them.
1: Uh, The Ds, within the first round, so they're 13 at the moment. Uh, they rank 16th for general defenders, so maybe there's an option there to, to look after someone like that. They're also 10th for the wings, another winger a complement Ed Langdon might be might be somewhere they can look. Where have you see, where do you see the Ds on draft night?
2: Yeah, so there's a few different needs they can address. Look, a Lockie hunter, I think, will help on a wing. Um, but their big issue is really their forward half delivery, I find. But yeah, you're right as well. The defense could do with a boost. Um, someone like an Archie Lovelock, maybe with their later pick. Maybe if they can get him as a rookie, would be really good. Where look, he's got good skills, good marking forward, can hit the
0: scoreboard. Um, so yeah, good all-round forward We've... who could provide. So the D's know. pick up Lockie Hunter in the in the trade period. Keen to know your f- on what your thoughts are with how a club's strategy would actually change depending on the trade period do they wait until the entire trade period is finalized before they go okay this is what we need now for the draft or is it once the season's finished these are the areas of our list we need to address and regardless of who we pick up in the trade period we're still going to pick up a young wingman in the draft or because they got Lockie Hunter are they going to say okay now we've actually addressed that what else should we look at do the strategies but of the clubs actually change?
2: Yeah, look, they do go pretty early. So even before the season is finished, they're actually already talking to the players, talking to the agents, really trying to find out who's available, who are some of the players that can address these needs. They really identify all that very early. Um, But there will be times where maybe a player comes up quite late and there could be an opportunity, Mm. so. Uh, North Melbourne,
1: look, it's kind of hard to know where to start exactly uh, for North. uh, As we kind of said uh, the last time we spoke with you, a bit of a disastrous off off season they kind of had to they got had to deal with the Jason Horn Francis situation as best as they could um they've got picks 2 and 3 this year Is there a strong consensus that they're going to go after two specific players or is there a chance that they could sort of, you know, throw a bit of a left field one out there because they have two picks so high? high? Where do you see uh, the ruse looking?
2: Yeah, look, it looks pretty clear that it will be Wardlaw and um, we've also got Sheasel as well. So they're probably the two. Look, Sardis has been one that's been spoken about a little bit as that outside mid, but I think they'll go Wardlaw as the mid and then you've got Sheasel as the forward who can push through the mids as that sort of more skillful type. Um, And
1: it's just going to take time, isn't it, for North Melbourne in terms of this list build now. Uh, Obviously, pretty disastrous on the field, off the field as well. Um, You just think that in terms of how they go about their build now, they almost need to sort of reset and say, this is the start. Uh, And and getting these kind of talented guys through the door now is, is what you need to do to sort of set the foundations for the next couple of years.
2: Yeah, exactly right. It's just bringing about really the best available talents, particularly with those very early picks. And look, later on as rookies, they're the times where you can really address the needs more specifically. So maybe you go after a mature agent to fill a specific need or maybe there's a particular type that might represent some value later on. Uh,
1: Port Adelaide, apparently they're ranked 15th for key defenders and we saw that O'Leary had a bit of a down year for them last season. Maybe he'll be able to bounce back, maybe not, but um, they'll need to replace guys like... um, and Jonas eventually. Is that maybe somewhere you can see Port Adelaide looking? Is there a local talent that they could potentially pick up, or do you think they're going to go somewhere else?
2: Yeah, look, they might go somewhere else, potentially. If they're after an immediate key defender, Ethan Phillips, who's part of my top 20 power rankings, actually is one that I would be certainly looking at, um, they'd probably need to pick him at 33. Mm. Um, but look, he was leading the VFL, whether it's marks, intercept sessions, intercept marks. So um, yeah, he had a terrific year in the VFL, and yeah, looks ready to go. So he's one who could potentially partner with Allier in defence.
0: How do you see their their midfield shaping up now, Port Adelaide? Because you got Ollie Wines, Trav Boak in there doing their thing. But outside of that, it's been a young Rosie, a young but- Butters, who are now four or five pre-seasons into their careers and can probably make that step up. But do they need more depth in the midfield, do you think? Yeah, look, they could certainly look at some youth. So um,
2: with one of their picks, and look, they're not going; they're, their picks aren't early. They've got 33 and 60, so... They don't have the greatest options, so they might look at some value, and look, there might be a midfielder among those picks, because they do have those older midfielders, mostly, so they do need that refresher. Uh,
1: The Tigers will be waiting a little bit on draft night for when they can first pick. Um, Clearly, their strategy has been to look elsewhere, but where can you kind of see somewhere around the 54 range, or sorry, the 53 range, where can you see them making an impact in the draft?
2: Look, they've spoken about a key forward. So um, the two South Australians, Tom Scully and Harry Lemmy, have been spoken about as two potential players. But um, the thing I'm identifying is they really need speed, where if you're going to add Taranto and Hopper, Mm. it really slows their midfield and they really need that extra burst. So maybe someone like a Noah Long might represent some value later on.
0: He's someone where I think he'd be worth around a pick 30, but I think he's probably there in the 50s. How many picks do you anticipate are actually going to be taken in this draft because it seems like every year we get less and less picks actually taken because I'm looking Richmond have 53, 62, 76 and 82 are we actually going to get that deep or are they going to need to try and trade their way up maybe use some future selections to move up into a round three or something
2: yeah, look, I, I don't think the draft will be too deep. You might get roughly, let's call it, 60 picked on draft day. So it won't go too, too deep. And there'll, there'll be clubs as well where you've got your Brisbane with a heap of picks. Well, they'll be used up on matching bids. So hmm. you'll find some of those picks actually move forward, those particularly late ones in the draft.
1: Fair enough. Uh, St Kilda, again, another team that a bit disappointing this season. Um, they're going to try and reload again, but obviously the Brett Ratton decision's one that uh, sort of looms over their head and their strategy for what happens going forward with pick 9 uh more midfield depth I, I, the thing i look at when i see st kilda's midfield is it's solid but it doesn't it's not dynamic doesn't hit the scoreboard doesn't do this sort of stuff is there someone in the draft they can look at that, that maybe fixes those ones? well holes? they
0: were after jordan to go in and, and failed on that attempt yeah to i was As well, actually, so. actually going to bring Ngoi up type? the exact same thing so
2: <laughs> they really do need that i guess goal kicking midfield whether it's a Filippo, whether it's a humphrey st kilda tend to like victorian talents on the whole, but um, they're actually one of the clubs that are talking to Essendon about maybe a move up to pick four, so we'll have to see. Maybe it might be a three-way trade. We'll have to see if they can do something about that, but um, a Bailey Humphrey would be one where if they did move up, they might look at, or maybe an Elijah Sardis if they want more the outside speed, so that'd be probably the two that'd look at if they did move up.
1: Fair enough. Uh, The Swans, so close in 2022, but so far, they do have two picks inside the top 18 at this point, 14 and 16. Uh, what is the sort of? I mean, they're quite a young squad as it is already. Are you looking at someone who can um, come in and impact the, the, the best twenty two straight away, or because their squad is so young, are you looking at someone that you maybe develop over a couple of years? You look at someone like Buddy, who's got a, you know one year left in him. Maybe is it a key forward you could potentially be looking
2: at, or where do you see the Swans heading?
0: Sam Reed's on his last legs as well. Yeah, very true. Um,
2: yeah, look with a Sydney, it's in an awkward range where probably in the first twelve or thirteen is where the really good players. Um, will be picked. So it's more in a range where you're probably not getting an immediate player, but maybe a needs filler. So okay. maybe a Henry Huswade is an example of a tall mid. Could be a Josh Kennedy replacement. But um, key forwards in that range, maybe a Matthew Jefferson is considered. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see.
1: Uh, what does Matthew Jefferson bring? Is he, he's a, you said he's a key Athletic forward. key forward, and yeah. Is he from Victoria?
0: He's a Victorian, he's a Victorian. yeah. Oh, no. What? Oh, no. <laughs> He'll be back in no time, won't he? <laughs>
1: uh, West Coast Eagles. Um, yes, we know where they're at. Uh, they're, again, an ageing list. Uh, they probably put all their chips in to try and go again after the 2018 uh, loss to Collingwood in that grand final. Uh, sorry, the win over uh, over Collingwood in that 2018 grand final. They thought they could go one more. Um, and now their list is kind of at a point where it's about to fall off, off a cliff. They do have pick eight, though. What do we sort of see the Eagles doing? Is it homegrown talent? Is it somewhere else they're looking?
2: Yeah, we'll have to see who makes it through ultimately to 8, where it's a point in the draft where it depends on really... The direction of a few clubs, but maybe a Reuben Ginby yeah. as one where local talent, tall, um, strong ball-winning mid, mm-hmm. so he's one, whereas a later developer maybe is considered, but West Coast have a tendency to look at more of those who have really had the performances on the board for a number of years, yeah. so um, someone like an Elijah Hewitt or a um, Jed Buzzlinger might get a look as well, potentially, maybe Do you around find as
1: well, you, you look at that the list and, and the midfield, there are names that we haven't seen yet that we thought we might see. Um, already, someone like uh, Campbell Chesser last year. I think you were pretty hot on him at some point during his draft draft year as well. Um, but the fact that he hasn't been able to play, we are going to see a little bit of you know, a bit more youth from from the Eagles. They also have another pick a little bit later down the down the order at 12. You said that 12 is about the cutoff for where the sort of the talent is. Roughly. Uh, is that a pick they could they could say, well, we want to either go up or you might you know, a, a club like um, Sydney might say, well, we want your pick 12. Um we'll, we'll slide down. Is that a pick where you can kind of see things maybe a bit of a curveball?
2: Look, I think they're probably pretty comfortable. And the reason being is there's quite a few WA talents around that range. So I've mentioned Ginby before. Mm. Um you've got your Buzzlinger, you've got your Elijah You Fuert. find that so there's a reach few around that range. Talent. Maybe in um Ed Allen as well. Yep. So look, there are some local talents there, but they could, for all we know, look at someone from another state as well. So there are options. But um yeah, look, it just so happens that there's a few in that range that are um, local talents for them and I think that was part of the attraction
0: for West Coast actually during the trade period to move back to that pick 8 and pick 12. You mentioned the, qu- the quality of, of this is draft and and its depth is West Coast the kind of team who clearly they need to bring in a lot of youth do they do that straight away so pick 8, pick, t- pick 12, pick 20 they've got in the first round this year Will they use twenty
1: six? Not long after,
0: like yeah. correct. Will they use all of that, or will they go? I've heard a lot of chatter that there is a stronger draft coming up next year. We probably say it every year, but <laughs> if if the rumors are true and it is a really strong draft next year, they probably have some really good picks to package up and uh, maybe get another first round selection for next year's draft. Are they a club in a position where they need that injection of youth right right away, or do you see them trying to capitalize on a stronger draft next year?
2: Yeah, look, I think they'll probably be fairly happy with their picks. But look, there are sometimes opportunities where maybe a club from next year's draft really has a particular player in mind. And that might be the sort of opportunity West Coast look at. Maybe whether it's pick 20, maybe it's 26, where maybe they move back. If they can get a future first, I think they would do that in an instant. But um, clubs don't really want to give up future firsts. And look, next year's draft is a little bit stronger, a little bit deeper, just with really the sheer variety of types in next year's draft. Do you have
1: a clear sort of top three already for
2: next year? Yeah, probably a top 10 or 15 wow, that okay. look pretty solid already. Yeah. So,
0: um, yeah, that'd be competitive really with this year's top 10 or 15. Is it any generational sort of talent like one of those kids that if they were in this year's draft pool, they'd actually go pretty
2: early. Yeah, Harley Reid is the name to watch out for. So I'll call this one already but he's a cross between a Dusty Martin and a Luke Hodge. So he's got the versatility GPS. whether it's in defence, up forward, through the midfield. Look down the camera. <laughs> Put it on the record. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Uh, the Dogs the last
1: team on, on the list. Uh, pick 11 is where they're at. Uh, we Look, the Dogs are an interesting one because you look at them and you think they, the output they should be putting out. Uh, should be a lot higher than what they currently are. Obviously, the forward line is stacked. Young talent in particular. The midfield's one of the best in the in the league. Um, key defence posts. I mean, Liam Jones is not the future. He's not going to be there too off uh, for too long, um, considering his age. Um, Defensively is kind of where I'm thinking for the dogs. Is that somewhere you can kind of see them replenishing their stocks as well?
2: Yeah, look around pick 11. If Jed Buslinger, who's the best key defender in this draft, is available, I think he's probably their pick there. Mm. But um, at what's 11, what's the well, that
1: he's there at that point?
2: 50 yeah. 50. So there's a few clubs looking at him before then. But um, if he drops to Bulldogs, he's probably the pick. Or if not, then maybe a West Coast or Melbourne in the upcoming picks. Pick him up pretty quick. because Knowing... he
0: represents substantial value.
1: Knowing Bevo, oh, he'll probably play him at full forward anyway. Funny. <laughs> They've got about uh,
0: six key forwards don't they? They picked up Rory Lub as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh well good stuff. So that's kind of the I guess the club by club thing. You kind of touched on next year a little bit. Um talk, talk to us a bit more about this, because you said you got a pretty good idea of your top fifteen already. How do you how do you normally sort of see that the talent at this time of year, so a year out from their their draft day? How does how much does things change in that time? Because I know that things obviously change in the last six weeks that we've chatted to you, but like mm. Players obviously go through growth spurts. They maybe play in different positions. They build a bigger tank. Like, when you look at... You say you've got a pretty good idea for a top 15. How much do you think that's going to change in the next sort of 6 to 12 months?
2: It will change quite a lot. So you can just look at a Harry Lemmy in this year's draft where going back 12 months, we're looking, okay, his about two meters incredible endurance really finding a lot of the footy hitting the scoreboard but ultimately 12 months on he hasn't really shown that rate of improvement and his performances during the under 18 champs were really quite disappointing mm. so um his one where is as a result he's gone from maybe a pick two or three projected going into the year to maybe as a pick 50 this year so mm. probably around richmond's first or second pick he might be looked at. yeah for a rough feel there's the a
0: section. reason why that
2: actually Happens, is it is it is it a form thing or Yeah, look there's it? form, there's injuries, those develop develop, earlier yeah, yeah, things happen. Um look he's not like a big bulking type, but yeah, some types do develop or grow quite a bit earlier. So yeah. Um he's one where he hasn't necessarily shot up. I think he's stayed around the same height the last couple of years. So um and when those players sort of haven't grown as much, they tend not to develop as much over the incoming years, whereas you could look at an Ed Allen where maybe it's like a Patrick Cripps or Bont sort of story or a Tim English yeah. where they developed a lot later, but then when they come into the AFL system, they really go boom. Um, De Koning as well. Sam De Koning is another yeah. of those later bloomers, so you can really get that, that incredible development
0: once in the AFL system if they did sort of develop that bit later. Does that mean clubs should be looking at, when they're trying to scout these kids in the junior ranks, they should be looking at the more naturally athletic um kids with a lot of room for improvement like athletically or Or do you
1: pick the See, I would go the other way and say if you've got the fundamental skills you could I would back my fitness staff to turn you know Clayton Oliver, Tim who
0: might have
2: been a bit pudgy in his draft mm, year, was. Into, into an elite runner.
0: Which was the case. Was that the case with Paddy Cripps? He, mm. Yeah, look, with the Cripps, him, was he was a him very
2: out. late developer, where even after he was drafted, he probably yeah, grew another four or so centimetres. Mm. So he was probably a 191, 192. But look, he only really had a strong end to the year, probably one or two big games um, in the waffle. And then, yeah, really got sort of really elevated quite a lot off that, where he wasn't expected to go that early say a few months out but then yeah just really sort of shot up in calculations quite late due to that later growth
1: um we're we're getting a little bit like extra here and a bit off topic but the in terms of the the draft combine i'm I'm fascinated to know what your thoughts are on it and how much the results from a day like that impact your thoughts on like power rankings and, and and phantom drafts because surely by that point you kind of have have a pretty good understanding of which players are going to go where which clubs are kind of looking at different players but if there is someone who does have an out of the box session is that something that that recruiters and, and draft watchers like yourself do take into account?
2: Well clubs might sort of give players maybe a second look but for me it's really just a context thing where if they go really well at the combine, well I sort of look at well what's the context behind what they're doing so a Darcy Jones this year he won the agility test and broke the record but here's one where in terms of how he applies his speed in game it's the best in this draft so um, that sort of result isn't at all surprising but look it doesn't really impact where I um, actually rate them but maybe for clubs maybe it does to a very small degree but yeah it's just a context thing I would say whereas you can have a Joel Wilkinson break all the records but if he's not showing it in game mm. well um, it doesn't really count for as much I've learnt over the years
0: well that's the other thing the The other way is the going back to before with picking someone who you think has um, a lot of room to improve the other way is picking someone that's actually dominating at underage level and he's already filled out and you think he can, he's a ready-made player he can play mm. seniors straight away but then they sort of don't come on or, or don't Improve as much as someone like James kid does.
1: sort of stands out as someone yeah. who's mm. really impressive in his draft year. Yeah. Uh, has been good for Hawthorne yeah. but
2: and he was a big boy at fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. Like he was that sort of build and. Is size there a way there.
0: clubs can actually identify that?
2: Um, mm-hmm. Well, they do have um, measurements from going years out. So that's not something I've necessarily uh, got access to. Of when but, they <laughs> um, but yeah, those that have been in the junior development programs, they do have years of data in terms of their heights, their weights, even their arm spans, hand spans, mm-hmm. those sorts of things in some cases. So right. um, they can sort of look at that growth and use that as sort of a way to, I guess, track their... Development. Who's That's going to be something.
0: that one club that sort of figures out how to actually identify it? Oh, I, yeah. yep, however big I know he's going to grow 12 six years. inches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: They pull some blood and, and run some DNA <laughs> diagnostics or something.
2: Yeah. Uh, so you can just look at that, I guess, as an upside indicator where if they grew 20 centimetres in the last couple of years, you'd wager that they're probably going to keep improving over the next few, whereas yeah. if someone stopped growing at age 14 and they were all physically built out, yeah. well, you probably don't sort of include as much upside in the calculation.
0: There's a natural part to it, but I also think it's more reflective of the club that they're at as well, and actually developing them in their own system too.
1: Hmm. There you go. Uh, anything else, JB? Before we wrap things up, any other questions for Chris?
0: Jeez, I've asked a lot, sort of off the cuff. I, don't, I know I don't we've really been know. we've
1: been just throwing him at him, and he's yeah. been parrying him back and forehands, backhands the whole no, time. think it's, so it's, it's going to be a good
0: draft. I think I so.
2: Mean,
1: I think uh, this, uh, yeah. what, what's your draft night process? Do you do you? whack some popcorn on, sit on the couch and, and enjoy the, the, the show? Or? In
2: recent years, I've been live tweeting just to give, I guess, the people out there some knowledge of, I guess, how the players play who's being picked mm. by which clubs just yeah. to get that really quick feel. But then, yeah, I'm all into... Um, obviously, the draft reviews, the first round review, then the yep. whole draft review.
0: Actually, so I stay up till really five in the morning. It's a, few a cups of
2: coffee, Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. And then I'm up sort of 7am for my other job. Uh, so. Here
1: you go. Here's one for the listeners. Maybe we can do some, some live negotiating with Chris about what he's doing on draft night. Because mm. if you're going to be live tweeting, mm. we might set him up with a live blog. And he can just cop, like place his tweets in that. And if you want to follow along... Watch can, this space. Yeah, Watch maybe this there's space. something there that we yeah. can do mm. on, on draft night. Because I know that uh, Jake will be back in time for that. So...
0: I do have one question for Chris. Go on. The most serious question of the entire podcast. Go I'm just it. not, not going to be serious now. That's deadly serious. Will GWS make a bid <laughs> <laughs> on Will Ashcroft? We'll
2: have to see. Um, we haven't got confirmation yet. So, um, But I certainly would if I was in their position. I would be well, doing would the exact say... same as you would. But um, we'll have to see. Hopefully confirmation we get in a couple of days.
1: Wow. OK, I think we're going to call it there. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, I know this is a busy time for you. And as I said, you can read all of Chris's stuff, ESPN.com.au forward slash AFL. There is more to come. If you're not subscribed to our newsletters, do so. There are links on the homepage, ESPN.com.au, as I said. Um, Chris, thanks so much for coming in. Can't wait to read some more of your stuff on the website soon. Thanks for
2: having
1: me. JB, uh, probably won't see you again because you've been rude to myself, to Jake, to, to Chris. I don't
0: take holidays.
1: <laughs> uh, to everyone at home, we'll speak to you probably next year. I think uh, I think the next one that we do is pre-season sometime. So we'll uh, speak to you then.
0: Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod wherever you get your podcasts.